within the parameters of normal life, you can still have adventure. There is wildness nearer than you think. And going camping for a night is one of the great hacks for life. If you're really busy, really stressed, whatever, you suddenly buy yourself this experience and you buy yourself this extra time and memories as well. That is world-renowned adventurer Alistair Humphreys. I'm Rich Bolas, and this is the Dad Mindset Show. This week, we dive into the challenge of accepting that life moves through different phases and to embrace what we have now rather than lamenting the past. If you need a shot of inspiration for getting out and about with the kids, this conversation is it. I hope you enjoy this chat with Alistair Humphreys. Alistair Humphreys, welcome to the show. So good to have you here. Thank you for having me. Now, tell me, what would you say are the most important things that I need to know about you from your earlier life in order to actually understand you as a person now? Wow. Um, well, I think having a rural, outdoorsy upbringing uh, explains probably why I now feel really connected to nature and have enjoyed going on quite a lot of adventures. Um, I think feeling at school that I was a little bit of a loser, not very good at anything really, uh, probably explains quite a lot of why I've been driven to push myself hard um, and probably also to show off about myself (laughs) on the internet and in books. And um, yeah, I think that they, they probably set up most of what you need to know. Oh, absolutely. And and when you say push yourself hard, I mean, you've cycled literally around the world. You know, you've traveled from end to end, you know, whether it be like frozen Arctic waters, you know, gales of Patagonia, walked across deserts, towing carts. Like, you've done some pretty gnarly stuff, Alistair. Uh, Yeah, I have. And I've absolutely loved doing those sort of things um i definitely started doing those sort of expeditions well for a few reasons one was um curiosity about the world and wanting to travel and explore like young people have always done um another came from really enjoying reading books and then wanting to go see some of those places and experience some of those things and test myself against some of the books that i've read um and then i just was yeah it was a wanted to try to really fill my life full I seem to have a slightly different perspective on life ticking away to most normal people I meet Um, it freaks me out and stresses me and annoys me and panics me how little time I've got in this amazing life and I think I I think about that more than most normal people I suspect so that's sort of prodded me towards chasing lots of action definitely yeah. And like, I've got to say a big thank you as well, because when Sarah, my wife and I read your first, well, the first book we came across of yours, Micro Adventures, it really inspired us to actually reframe how we sort of approached like bringing up our kids. And and we've oh, wow. endeavored to sort of get out on a few, a few of those sort of micro adventures. And it, it feels like you're, you're sort of shunning society almost and you're like thinking outside the societal box and and you're sort of cheating i guess that's what it kind of felt like you know turning up back at work like when i took will we went camping overnight picked him up from school went straight off camping dropped him back at school next day and then went to the office 
and you kind of it's almost like the best kept secret you know everyone's sort of grabbing their coffee and and they haven't even started work yet and and you've basically woken up in the wilderness and um you know had you know snags on a on a a campfire and and fresh coffee out in the open and then come to work and i just want to thank you for that because i i wouldn't have done those sort of things had not read that book so so many years ago yeah geez that's been out quite a number of years now micro adventures but um it's i find it really gratifying when i hear stories like that and to be honest that that book is far more useful for the world than some of my macho let's see how tough i can be and what a miserable time i can have micro adventures has been really genuinely helpful for myself if if nobody else for exactly as you say for suddenly realizing that hey within the parameters of normal life you can still have adventure and that there is wildness nearer than you think and yeah i think that the idea of an overnight going camping for a night is one of the great hacks for life if you're really busy really stressed whatever you suddenly buy yourself this experience and you buy yourself this extra time and um, and memories as well like sometimes it's a bit of a hassle when you're busy and you've got lots going on to think right this evening we're going to pack a bag and go camp on that hill but a year from now you've still got that fantastic memory which you wouldn't have if you just did what you do most nights of oh i can't be bothered let's just watch tv so yeah i think an overnight outdoor experience is just a magical thing to do it's uh, great and also you're right people really think you're weird um I love, I really love getting the train back into London, um, smelling of campfire. People look at you like you're a sort of a hobo, but I, I love that smell. It's the best smell in the world. I'd like an aftershave that smells of campfire. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I remember reading stories about you, you know, convincing a taxi driver to jump in a river before you went to do a, a public <laughs> yes. speech and so on. Tell us more about those sort of things, Alistair. So that, that one, I took the train to... Um, the Netherlands to do a talk and I got picked up at the I guess Amsterdam train station and driven off to some conference center like I don't know an hour off somewhere and in Holland you keep going over all these canals and uh, whenever I go over a bridge I've just got this habit of looking down out of the car or out the train to see is that a good river for canoeing for swimming or is that a good secret spot to camp I've just got that habit even if I'll never go there again I kept seeing these canals and I was thinking oh I'd love to jump in these I'd love to jump in these but we're driving, the taxi's busy. And then we saw some kids jumping into one canal and that got me thinking, well, they're deep enough. So a couple of canals later, I was like, stop the car. I pulled the sort of, I'm the client, stop the car. Let's go. And then I said, I'm going to go jump in the canal. Do you want to join me? And he looked at me like I was a total weirdo. <laughs> uh, but he was, but he said, yeah, sure. Which at first then kind of shocked me because I definitely expected him to just say no. Uh, but he was like, yeah, up for it. So we both just stripped to our boxer shorts. He had a massive six pack, which probably encouraged his uh, enthusiasm for stripping off. And then we just leapt off this bridge, <laughs> got dressed again, got back in the taxi and drove off. It was absolutely brilliant. I was just, I love the experience of jumping in rivers. You never regret that. But to be able to share it and hand that idea on to someone else was just, oh, it was great. I loved it. Yeah. Can you imagine like how his day, well, you, you don't even need to imagine, you know how his day changed, but just having that sort of been that catalyst for like, that's something that he's probably told hundreds of clients about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the river yeah. I jumped into with Alistair Humphreys. <laughs> yeah. I guess when he got home to talk to his partner that night, what on earth he must have said, he's hang up his uh, wet boxer shorts for a start. I was like, what have you been up to today? Oh, well, let me <laughs> 
tell you, I had a micro adventure. It jumped yep. in a little canal. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of your favorite micro adventures? Well, we've covered two already. Two of my absolute life hacks are if ever there's a possibility to jump in a river or have a quick swim in the sea or a lake, but I, personally I've real fondness for rivers, then you never, ever regret doing that. So even on cold winter's days, if you can just dare yourself to do it, it just feels so great. So I love the outdoor while swimming. And also the five to nine micro adventure, the, when you finish your busy nine to five stuff, then to just go camp on a hill for a night. I love that. That's, I mean, they're probably two of my favorite things to do even, but on, um, to give you a couple of other examples, I've, for the last three years, I have been climbing a tree once a month uh, with my family. We go to the same tree and climb it once a month. And it's been a brilliant way to bring nature into our daily lives and to just see the seasons changing and to notice, to notice the seasons moving on. So that's been great. And then this year I'm doing a a full moon. So every, um, every time there's a full moon, I head out and do something. doesn't matter what, just, I just makes me pay attention. Ah, it's full moon time, go out, have a hike, bike ride swim in the summertime whatever but trying to schedule things in has been really helpful as life gets busy you've talked to that idea of you know the calendar being really important and having to block that stuff in are there any other sort of lenses that you sort of suggest that specifically parents can use to actually look out for and identify opportunities for these sort of micro adventures yeah i think to try to flip your mind to look for the opportunities that are there for adventure rather than the barriers the hassle the problems the inconveniences so i think that that's one side of it um i think to try to um lead by example rather than saying you kids today don't get any exercise and you don't spend any time in nature go on off you go far better i suspect to actually just go do that yourself and hope that your kids see that you're having a good time and want to join you on that um, and also, I think, don't worry about how small the experience is. People often seem to say to me things like, oh, I, I did this thing. It's not really an adventure compared to what you've done. And that's nonsense. If it feels like an adventure to you, it is. And if that involves and if the only time you have to do that is your lunch break or having breakfast before school outside in the garden, then it's a start and it's doing something. So, yeah, just doing tiny little things regularly i think is much better than just waiting till next summer holidays when you can go do some big thing together i think it's important to factor in that this stuff's meant to be fun and um i you don't want to get old and your kids say never ever go outside and they're like oh i remember dad used to drag us up these mountains every weekend god it was awful i'm never doing that ever again you want it to be fun so i mean i'm in uh, england now it's november it's rainy and grim and cold so if you try and go out and do something it's just rainy grim and cold then go home and have a hot chocolate and watch tv it's not the end of the world so these things there's yes you want adventure needs to be a bit challenging at times but above all it should be fun and enjoyable so yeah if it's if it's raining go home and watch tv (laughs) (laughs) one of my friends always said like when when trying to teach your, your children to surf your your job for the first 10 or 20 surfs is to not make it a shit time that's pretty much it <laughs> like, okay yeah you, you, you're not aiming for like standing or anything like that it's just don't let them have a rubbish time and, okay and that's really surfing. good advice yeah, yeah. 
But um, you, you talk about TV, and I was just wondering, like, TV is such a huge part of children's lives these days. I mean, certainly our kids, it's one of the hardest things to deal with. How do you deal with that? Well, um, not very successfully, I think. And actually, interesting, as you were saying, TV is such a big part of lives. I thought, I think even that is quite an old-fashioned sentence because my, <laughs> my kids never watch TV. They have yeah. an actual big square thing. They're glued to iPads, all sorts of other yeah. gadget things. So I, I, the honest answer is I massively struggle with it. It drives me mad. It drives me into a fury, and it sends me off to go and run and climb trees on my own when I fail at it. And I just tr- I, I say that because I, I don't want to try and p- appear that some parents are super parents because I suspect nearly, nearly everyone's in the same boat. So I uh, set strict time limits on it because otherwise they would literally do it all day, every day, uh, set, set strict time limits on it. And then when we're not doing it, I try and do stuff that's actually fun so that they're not just going, oh, I want to go home and get back on my iPad. And I really noticed the shift that quite often I'm like, right, turn those screens off. We're going outside. And they're going, oh, and they're grumpy and they're moaning. And then after a fairly short amount of time, they love it. So it's worth the aggro of trying to get through that. But I'm really struggling and failing at it to such a degree, actually, that when um, we scheduled this podcast for today, this morning, I actually thought, what on earth am I doing going on some sort of parenting podcast? And I nearly <laughs> I nearly uh, cancelled on it, actually. And I've never cancelled on a podcast before. I just felt completely... Uh, ill-equipped for it so there's my confession oh no my I, name's, yeah. <laughs> yeah i appreciate that alistair but i totally i totally feel it too and like i i get to the stage where it's almost like is this battle worth picking right now because i also don't want to just be the moaning parent all the time because it seems to be all i talk about to the kids if i'm not careful it's like guys it's bedtime you know the, you know these things are going to be turned off and I find yeah. that the real struggle is I'm trying to get stuff done as well. And it's so hard because it's so easy for them to just, oh, just pick up the iPad while dad's not watching. And, yeah, and they're yeah, often yeah. racing again. And I don't yeah. want to have to police it either. But I'm, I'm trying to have this conversation around these things are just, you know, they're, they're designed to attract your attention the whole time. That's what they're geared to do. And it's, you know, it's, I don't want to be the ogre. But I definitely crack the sads on more than one occasion a week. And yeah. it's, it's really tough. I, I don't think there is an answer at the moment. No. But there are, I mean, there are, I like, there are some aspects of it that I enjoy. So my son started playing these games with his headset on and his microphone. And he's shouting to his mates, <laughs> so like different places, like, go, go, kill that guy, run over there. And he's having a really good sociable time with his friends and they're working together and they're doing stuff. And I like that kind of thing. I also, I like um, sometimes uh, um, I like joining them for a bit of Mario or something like that. And we have a really fun time together. Um, and then, of course, there's insane amounts of stuff that they learn about the world, which I had no idea about what now is there. Is they're learning about different parts of the world. So the, there is good stuff amongst all the moaning. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting you say that because some of the, 
I think one of the things I did with my, my youngest child, Will, was actually sit down and, and play Minecraft with him and got him to explain it to me. And I could totally see the appeal. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. It's like patient problem solving and just, you know, I get it. And we, mm. we, we were in there for like, I don't know, 45 minutes or something before I even realized it. Because you're building something together. And, and it is good for that. I think it's just different to how, I guess, you and I grew up. And and that's what yeah. we're trying to get used to. Although I suppose I used to play computer games like that. Yeah, I used to. Lo- I had a ZX Spectrum. I was going to say, uh, yeah. Which I used to love hammering away on the keyboard. I loved it. And if you'd shown me the games of today, I'd be like, I am never going outside ever again. This is so much more fun. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's great stuff. And I used to love it. And uh, um, and I used to. I I remember actually used to vegetate in front of the tv for the kids cartoons they were only on for a couple of hours my dad just get really angry at me but <laughs> i guess I'm just it goes around every single generation I yeah suppose. it's the there's forced rest because they only showed it on saturday mornings or like between yes. like 3 30 and 4 30 on evenings <laughs> so yes. i've got to ask alistair what was your favorite zx spectrum game uh daily thompson's decathlon Awesome. You, when I saw your fingers doing this, I saw yeah, that. I you had to that. hammer on the keys. I used to work with my br- my brother and I would do teamwork. One of the, for the hurdles, you'd have one person hammering for sprint and one person pressing for jump. So yeah, yeah. I used to love Daily Thompson. Yeah, that was great. And Jet Set Willy. Jet Set Willy. Yeah, no, no. Jet Set Willy was a, a red hot favorite of mine as well. <laughs> I still know the theme tune. Da, 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 yeah, da, totally. Da, da, da. <laughs> in fact yeah absolutely and and I, I was actually trying to pick up a nintendo uh game boy for the kids um just on, on, online because i actually think tetris even though when i first saw it i, I thought tetris. it was the worst game ever why would they give you this game it's rubbish why not something like street fighter and and yet when i played it i got completely hooked uh, to the extent where I ended up completing it after i don't know however, wow. however many months but it was that that bad but i it, it, there's something there's something really good about that you know trying to progress in game mastery and, and it's just so enjoyable um but yeah it's like you say the the games today that they're just next level enjoyable addictive yes yeah just uh yeah. watch out once we get those uh vr headsets uh fitted in place oh. we'll be gone forever yeah, I think I think Rich, you and I are now veering into a let's all do computer games podcast because this is the most enthused we've been in the entire conversation. It is though. Yeah. Well, I, I want to bring you back and, and thanks for keeping me on track. But um, you, you did actually say that being a father has been one of the hardest journeys of your life. You know, can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, it's been the hardest by a very long way. Um, I I think. Um, I guess lots of people struggle in different sort of ways. I think some people absolutely just love being a parent straight from day one, boom. And I'm always hugely jealous of those people because they always make me feel like a bad person (laughs) because I found that becoming a parent really changed my life, um, which is something which I think anyone who's a parent would agree with that. And anyone who isn't yet a parent thinks that won't happen to me. I'll carry on being the same old cool guy. Uh, but it completely changed it and so suddenly there was uh, more responsibility far less time uh, I couldn't go off adventuring as much as I wanted to suddenly uh, the risk of adventures and expeditions felt more selfish than they had when it was just me putting my own neck on the line um, and um, as someone who's very active 
and spends a lot of time doing stuff and traveling and being out a lot. I found having small children astonishingly tedious just to be sitting at home, shoveling banana in. Peppa Pig became the highlight of my life. I mean, I just found it. I, I loved my children with all my heart, but I found it incredibly boring for a number of, for a long time, really. And, um, and you don't want to feel like that. So then feeling like that made me feel bad about myself. Um, and yeah, I just found the conflict between me, the individual, and then me, my new role as dad and the responsibilities and duties with that. I felt that they were in many ways incompatible. And I found that, um, yeah, I found it really, really hard. How long did it take you to sort of come out the other side of it? Because it sounds like you've definitely come out the other side, of it, or at least most of the way there. Like, what sort well, of did, time? Yeah. Period Just, of so that quite, that that last question. Then I ended it by saying I found it really hard, and I and I, even as I was saying I found it really hard, I thought maybe I should have said find it really hard. <laughs> so uh, I've just my eldest is just now a teenager, so I've been doing parenting for uh, thirteen years, and I still find day to day considerably more boring than my day to day life when I was a young single guy traveling the world and earning money from it. It's definitely more boring than that. There's also more purpose and joy and reward to it as well. So the biggest, biggest challenge for me has been learning to accept the position that I'm in, to see the good parts of it and to really embrace those rather than lamenting the past. I've been reading a lot of uh, Stoicism um, and a fantastic book called The Happiness Trap about, uh, what's it, ACT, I always remember, it's acceptance and something therapy, ACT. Uh, but stoicism and ACT have been really helpful for me in just thinking, I'm a lucky, lucky guy. I've got two amazing kids. They're the f- focus of my life these days. They bring me more joy than anything else. And that's great. And yes, I would still love to go for a long bike ride uh, for a few weeks, but that's not going to happen. So move on. So trying to trying to accept that life moves through different phases is something that I've been terrible at but I'm getting better at now so over probably in 2016 I um, walked through Spain playing a violin extremely badly I can't play the violin but I spent a month walking through Spain with no money just busking and uh, that felt like a real um, pivotal point for me of a trip that which I absolutely loved but it was accepting that this phase of my life is done and from now on I'm a a dad first and everything else second and uh, so since then I've been a much more cheerful fellow to be around mostly although by the end by the by the end of a weekend I'm usually kind of tearing my hair out (laughs) (laughs) do you find that the kids are actually how interested are they in the adventures that you've been on my kids are uh, not very interested in my adventures, but I think, I mean, I think most kids find their parents just a bit boring. Their parents are just their parents. So it's just what they know. So uh, no, that, I don't think my children are particularly interested in anything I've done or the, or the books that I write or the chil- even the children's books that I write. Uh, so I think they just, which I, th- I actually quite like. It's quite a good bring me down to earth thing of, wow, if, if, if I'm going to be interesting dad, then I have to do it in other ways rather than just saying, let me tell you about when I was in Kazakhstan. So, um, yeah, they're, they're not very interested. They love the adventure stuff we do. I mean, we um, 
cook on fires, we ride bikes, we climb trees, we've got we swim in rivers, we uh, sur- go surfing, we've got a canoe. So we, I suspect, compared to most of the population, we do way, way, way more adventure. But for them, of course, that's just normal. That's what that's what you do. So yeah, they just think I'm a boring moany dad. I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> although the the grandkids are going to absolutely love you. Well, I hope so, yes, because then I won't have to do all the sensible part and I can just encourage danger and recklessness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's mm-hmm. that's the job, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, um, you talk about, obviously, stoicism and that that playing a, a big part. What, what in particular um, from stoicism did you like or resonated with you? Well, I, I, uh, I like it to such a degree that it is my um, home screen on my phone here. I have a condensed my uh stoicism and uh act into five do you want my five points yeah absolutely i'll be i'll be brief on them so uh negative visualization is you imagine terrible stuff horrible things you imagine imagine my kids died today and it's important to it for me to imagine that because i think wow they're alive and that is awesome so let's stop moaning because that is great um retrospective negative visualization point number two this is really this is when you look back at stuff in your life and imagine that's never happened so sometimes i sometimes i'm sort of moaning and feeling sorry for myself because i can't go and row across an ocean anymore and what i do then is i think back and think wow imagine if i'd never cycled around the world or if i'd never rode across the atlantic in some ways i think i'd that would make my life as a stay-at-home parent easier because i wouldn't have perhaps the bigger horizons but I wouldn't trade those experiences for the world. Um, number three, are you, are you bored yet? Was this okay? No, this is great. Okay, cool. Number three, a projective visualization, which is think about the problems that you have in your life. Oh, my kids are so annoying. They won't put their <laughs> shoes away. They're so annoying. I hate my life. And then if you imagine if someone else had that. So for example, Rich, you started saying to me, oh, my kids are so annoying. They won't put their shoes away. I go, wow no big deal it's only a pair of shoes think how great they are so you put your problems onto someone else and you realize oh they're not actually that bad what at all uh number four dichotomy of control this is really (laughs) useful for this is really good for parents of, of what thing is this thing in my control or not in my control if i can control it then i can do something about it if it's just annoying me and it's out of my control for example the well for example whatever then let it go. I can't fret about everything. And uh, number five, internalize goals. So rather sometimes now being an adventurer, I look at other adventurers who who don't have kids or perhaps have a more laissez-faire approach to being at home and they're off climbing mountains and I'm really jealous. I'm like, oh, I want to be doing like that. Uh, so measuring myself against other people is spectacularly unhelpful. So I try to just measure things just against myself. I think about what are my values? What are the things that are really important to me in my life? And if I'm matching up to those things, then everything's good rather than trying to measure against someone else. And that then leads on to this, this acceptance commitment therapy, the happiness track book, which sums things up really nicely. ACT, accept your thoughts. So sometimes I'm like, oh man, being a parent is so annoying. <laughs> and I used to try and push those thoughts away because I shouldn't be thinking like that. My kids are great. I shouldn't be thinking how annoying this all is. So what I try to do now is just accept it. I think, okay, that's what I'm thinking. Fair enough. 
then you have to connect with your values think what's really important to me in life oh my kids being a being present being a, a good dad that sort of thing they're my values okay so maybe that previous thought wasn't actually that relevant and then letter t take action what am i going to do about this i've had the grumpy thought i've realized it doesn't really connect with my values so what action am i going to take okay i'll go do something fun with my kids and stop moaning um so yeah that that is the uh the, sorry that was a long answer but that's the uh the home screen on my phone my bullet points which i find very helpful no i love it how long have you been doing that for well i've been reading stoic books for a few years um and all sorts of similar sorts of books like this and they always it felt like it sort of reson- resonated with me but i wasn't very good at articulating it because these sort of things all merge they also blur in a bit and i said i've read this really good book what's it about <laughs> uh, i don't really know <laughs> yeah. so whenever i read books i take notes on them uh, so i decided i just sat down and i went through all of my notes and i distilled them and distilled them down to those few key points and then I thought, if I really want these to be important to me, I should stick them on my uh, home screen instead of whatever picture is normally there. And yeah, I really like it. So I now every time I pick up my phone, I see that. That's great. It's such a good prompt, isn't it? To actually just trigger you in the right way. Mm. I used to have on my home screen at one point, I used to have uh, how far I would have to run to burn off the calories equal to a pint of beer. So, <laughs> so I, I've used my home screen for various nudges in my life. Yeah. How, how far was it? It was really, it was really a lot further than it was worth doing. It's about 50 minutes of running. I was like, oh man, I think I'll just not have the beer. I'll have a cup of tea and watch TV instead. That's wild, isn't it? Like the human body. You can't outrun so... a donut. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is such a good phrase. You can't outrun a donut. It comes wow. diet is diet is if you, if you want to get in shape it's about your diet first yeah well i mean i, I just love the idea of you know putting it in in the metric of miles because you yeah, know yes. you, it's a very tangible sort of comparison you pick it up oh my gosh am i actually gonna, gonna do that that's, that's that's a severe amount of distance if i've put down the fourth pint yeah, yeah. the slight the slight downside of that though is when i come back from the gym now i don't feel justified in eating the entire fridge like i used to do yeah i definitely fall foul of that it's so good though <laughs> yeah. isn't it especially yeah. or coming back from a cold swim or something oh, <laughs> like lovely. Yeah, yeah straight into a massive breakfast oh, <laughs> lovely <laughs> although you did mention that you cut out breakfasts recently uh, before we started talking why have you done that um yeah so i've started a couple of well first of all i should put that back say you've not been eating for days you're doing a hardcore (laughs) version of anything i'm about to say Um, but i've got interested since i hit um i'm quite skinny naturally but since i hit 40 i definitely noticed that if i was lazy ate a lot and drank lots of beer that i started to get a bit squidgier than i like to be and um little by little by little if i extrapolated that for decades i would end up being an old person who wasn't as fit and healthy and able to run around with my kids as I wanted to. So I just try and pay a bit more attention to what goes in these days. And so I was re- reading around and the notion of intermittent fasting uh, kept coming up and interest to me. And intermittent fasting is just a really a hipster way of saying, don't eat breakfast, really. So <laughs> uh, I, eat, I eat my tea at night, I go to bed, get up in the morning, don't eat breakfast. And then at lunchtime, I can have it. And that saves me a bunch of eating 
But the main reason that I've been doing that for quite a long time now is I just really enjoy now each morning I get a bit hungry and it's a tiny little bit of a struggle and a tiny bit of a challenge to myself. It's now, so I've, I've got an hour to go now until I have lunch. And I'm ooh, looking forward to it. And I could just go and eat some biscuits, but I quite like of just having to restrain myself and resist and just get on with my day and then appreciate and enjoy my lunch when I have it. So it's a bit of voluntary asceticism. Yeah. Do you find that the, like, do the kids actually know about what you do uh, or the reason why you do it? Um, do they know? I'm sure I've banged on about it in one of my long, <laughs> tedious monologues at some point. But um, I think if I explained it to them right now, they'd just go, Dad, you're weird. And then they'd <laughs> reach for another donut. So, yeah, I, don't, I, I, I think they're too young for that to have any impact at all. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like what we do and what's important to us is a completely different world to what, what the kids are thinking of or how they even look to us the way you parent you've sent chance either way they will either think my dad was great so i'm gonna be more like him and do the stuff he did or they're just gonna think my dad's a total loser and they'll go and do something totally different with their life and it seems to me pretty 50 50 which way they choose to go so i guess you just try your best i suppose yeah and i think the one thing i've learned is they just watch everything and listen to everything so you've just got to show up the way you think you should show up like the best version of yourself and that's all you can do you know try not to grumble too much especially if you just go into a little negative spiral just for having a pity party the only person it sort of satisfies i guess is myself and it's a hollow sort of uh, satisfaction so yes yeah, yeah. try to try to cut right back on that with all the adventuring that you've done what do you think would be the advice you'd give your kids or probably your your kids friends advice on if they wanted to go off on an adventure it's interesting now that i'm a parent because the thought of my kids just heading off to some of the places i've been doing some of the things i've done be like no don't go don't go <laughs> it's dangerous <laughs> it's dangerous stay with me and never leave me ever so part of me feels that but equally geez i mean the best education of my entire life has been strapping a tent onto the back of a bicycle and pedaling off to see how far I could get and um, actually when I was um, 15 um, myself and two friends cycled across England it was only I mean it's not very far England but it cut, so it took us I think six days and we my parents our parents had booked us into a youth hostel each night um, but that was just great that sort of early burst of freedom and so yeah put a put a tent on your bike and go 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 and the good side of things so outweighs the small side of risk that's in there. Yeah, and I think bang for buck, going on a, a bike sort of trek has got to be one of the most effective ways to get a long way on not very many pounds. Yeah, absolutely. So especially if you're looking towards younger people who don't have loads of cash. And I definitely think for environmental reasons, but also just for the sheer adventure and for knowing how everything fits in together the best thing to do is not fly off to another country is to set off from your front door yeah and pedal off somewhere perhaps in a giant circle or at least in a straight line and get the train home or something but heading out from your front door is so thrilling because the first hour you know where you are the first day you kind of know where you are and then suddenly 
you're a total stranger and you and and the entire world is out there and i think it's a brilliant brilliant thing for people to do well even i i i say that like because i took your advice a while back and and started running different streets in my neighborhood because i i'm a creature of habit like i'll just go out and just you know go the same route time after time and and sort of breaking out of that pattern all of a sudden i felt like a complete stranger in these streets going holy smoke i i don't even know which direction i'm going to go to get back now because the way they build certain estates now it's all over the shop but it was really interesting that sort of you know take a different route every day you know go down a different path go somewhere you haven't gone try and map out the entire sort of square kilometer or whatever around where you live and and it's amazing what you can find in a very short distance from your front door that is completely alien to you yeah it's crazy isn't it i i um think of myself as an observant person i I write books so i hope i am a bit but when i started running every street i found 500 meters from the place I'd lived for 10 years, I found an, a whole street that I never knew existed. That's 500 meters from my home. So I realized I knew more about the, the Yukon or, or Malawi than I did about the town that I lived on. It's ridiculous. So I've really started exploring locally now. Um, and I've, um, the book I'm currently writing is all about the one map that I live on. It just measures 20 kilometers by 20 kilometers it's pretty boring. It's just outside London. And yet, once I started to really pay attention to it, I'm thinking, geez, I, there's so much stuff here um, for me and for my family. There's so much to find really close to home. But I think it takes a bit of a mindset shift for you to realize that there is far more nearby nature than you might realize. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when you overlay with like the historical significance of certain things it could be like just a a random millstone or something just lying in a field but the stories behind it and you know there's all that too yeah where just near where i live there's a there's a remains found of some guy who lived here four hundred thousand years ago and that's just absolutely <laughs> nuts and neanderthal guy was just down the road from where i'm on a zoom call now and so yeah what um and i've actually i like um the, vi- the violin trip I did really started to expand my definitions of what adventure meant to me. And um, since then, I've really enjoyed trying to use adventure in the outdoors and travel and nature and sport and all the sort of stuff I've done as a way of learning more. So um, and diving into history and natural history and science. Maybe I'm just getting old, but uh, I've really started <laughs> to find there's so much more interesting stuff than just trying to go from A to B in a tough kind of way yeah yeah i I definitely think because like i that really resonated with me as well in my younger years like trying to do hard things because it's almost like testing your metal and i think it's just Mm. that phase we have to go through obviously you you did some serious testing but um it's uh, it's going to be interesting watching our kids and see what sort of arc their sort of journeys go on and whether they want to push the boundaries in the same way that you know our generation tended to want to and then you look back further in history and you've got people like Fitzroy McLean's of the world and you know those people that wrote those fantastic sort of travelogues I think you mentioned how a lot of the the writers that inspired you you know people like Shackleton and, and those guys yeah yeah I've been inspired by books through history but I think that that notion of um the uh, 
the connectedness that these people have over time is quite interesting. So um, Scott and Shackleton, they since went off and no one heard of them for a couple of years. Um, I read a great book recently about Magellan. It's called something like um, Off the End of the World or something. And when he and his crew set off to sail across the Pacific, they had literally no idea if they were just going to drop off the edge of the planet or <laughs> what they would find. So and that was, takes some proper nerve. And then when I was cycling around the world i wouldn't be in touch with anyone for a few weeks at a time uh, i had no phone or laptop and now kids um my children would definitely freak out to not be in touch with someone for a single day so i think that might be perhaps a challenge in terms of the adventuring nature side of things of it is will they for example be able to camp for a night on their own in the woods Without a phone. Yeah, it just makes me think, Alistair, where their idea of adventure could be going 15 minutes without Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 I think so. Yeah. In the wilderness, no Wi-Fi. Yes. This is crazy. Yeah. Maybe no. not adventure, but definitely hardship and endurance. That's, that's their challenge. I did want to ask you what your definition of adventure is, because you've obviously thought about this a lot. Yeah, so for many, many years, my idea of adventure was about doing something that was really difficult and risked failure and was really pushing my physical and mental limits and and I carried that with me for and it served me well for many 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 years and one of the problems I had with becoming a parent was that I was still clinging to this young man single man definition of the standards I was trying to live my life by when that was now blatantly incompatible with having little kids around and I think the Spain trip one of the reasons that was a watershed for me was that I allowed my definitions and I allowed the way that I uh, measured myself and looked at myself and judged myself I allowed those to evolve as I should have done long before uh, to better mirror what was important and relevant to me in my life now and so then the the, the one of the main reasons I went playing the violin was that um, I'd got pretty good at normal expedition stuff. And in a way, that was kind of my comfort zone. And yet trying to play the violin in a town square to earn money was so embarrassing and terrifying and horrific. It was one of the most frightening things I've ever done in my life. And so on that trip, the adventure was the music. We can't really call it music. It was the playing the violin. That That was what the adventure was. And so that then freed me up really to see it as a much broader thing now so for me now adventure is much more about curiosity and learning and being trying things that are new and different but with this of curiosity hat on rather than the epic conquering hat yeah i really like that frame because it it does broaden the scope massively and and you know it can make something as you know humdrum as I don't know, public speaking at a local community event. That could be the adventure. You know, it, it's it's stretching ourselves in ways that feel totally uncomfortable, but, you know, not not too hard, so it's impossible, <laughs> but but sort of just stretching enough so we're just pushing the envelope and, and, and growing, I guess. Yeah, and I think that broadness of that is probably a good thing to be doing as a parent, isn't it? Because not every kid's going to want to cycle across a continent. Why should, I mean the world would be boring if that was the case so yeah i think your definition there which is just showing is being able to show your kids that you're still pushing yourself and challenging yourself and daring yourself in in a million different ways is probably a good way to be leading by example 
I think that's a great way to wind this up. I'm very mindful of your time, so I don't want to kick the ass out of it. Thank you so much for all the work you've put into your books. I have to say that Ali and I started reading The Girl Who Rode the Ocean the other night. We're about halfway through at the moment. She's loving it, and I'm really enjoying it too. Oh, cool. Good. It's just nice because we found a book that we can read together. And it's actually been hard to find those sort of books. You know, that's no mean feat. So hats off to you for that. And um, you've punched out so many books. Like, it's it's amazing to look at them all. I love the Doorstep Mile, the, the podcast series that you put on your website. I think that would be the thing that I would point people to check out of your work, you know, straight away. Like, stop this right now. Go check that out. Because it, it talks to a lot of the things that you've mentioned today about, you know, dis- defining your purpose and fighting off that inner fear and, and everything so just massive thanks for the work you've done it's it's changed our lives and hopefully it'll go on to change many more people's lives oh that's lovely thank you very much it's been a really enjoyable chat well thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this chat with alistair as much as i did if you'd like to find out more about alistair's books i'll put links to his website and social channels in the show notes on the dadmindset.com I strongly recommend you check out his book, Microadventures First, but there's a ton more to explore as well. Alistair publishes an inspiring newsletter called Shouting from the Shed, which is worth hooking into also. On that note, if you'd like to receive an email from me with breakdowns of each Dad Mindset episode and other stuff that I found that I think you might enjoy, remember to subscribe to the Dad Mindset newsletter when you're on the website. If you have a spare minute right after you press pause on this podcast, if you could write a review and or rate the podcast, I would be eternally grateful. Once you've done that, I hope you have a great week and enjoy your caffeinated beverage. 